Hello and welcome to The Secret Layer, the home of gaming and geeks. We hope you enjoy our shows, and if you'd like to support us, you can donate to our Patreon. And welcome to. <laughs> what a phenomenal start. I cracked myself up. I started. Yeah, welcome to DD 201. Uh, my name's Niall. I'll be a dungeon master today. My name's Morgan, and uh, surprise, surprise, I will also be a dungeon master today. <laughs> and this is the show where we, two dungeon masters, help you, another dungeon master, figure out what, what we're doing. Why is this? How do I do this? What, what am I doing? We're teaching D&D to D- DMs. Yeah, that's what Just I'm saying. DMs. No, but they're saying, how do I oh, do this? Oh, they're confused. Yeah, they're, they're confused. confused. I'm Chuck, not confused. It's because they're players and they're lying. <gasps> I swear to God, if you're a player and you're listening <laughs> to this fucking podcast, I'll kill you. Oh, fucking. <laughs> Cast crying. I'll just... I'm just angry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm just disappointed. Just. Just. Yeah. I'm not mad. I'm, <laughs> I'm just disappointed. I'm angry and I'm disappointed. Um. Yeah. We continue to go through the 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 the, the books and go through. Uh, yeah. You guys don't have time to read. You're busy people. So we're reading to you because we, we are decidedly less busy people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. The sound of two unemployed people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Anyway, today we're continuing with running the game um, part de. Mm. I'm going to call it that. That's going to be the title. Part of the, de. I don't think we've numbered be. anything, have we? No, no. This the other last episode was running the game part one, but this is going to be part de. <laughs> part de. Just for my, just for me. If we do a third part, that just has to be part the third. Yeah. Just just change it every single time. The, it'll be running the game. This time it's personal. <laughs> It needs to be like the Fast and Furious franchise where there's no consistency in the naming. Yeah. It's like the Fast and the Furious, Fast and Furious. It, it changes every it was, time. It was Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious 2, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious... No, no was, wasn't it just Fast? fast? Yeah. <laughs> and then... Oh, no, wasn't the second one Too Fast, fast too, too Furious? furious. Tokyo Drift. Fast. Or something like that. Was it that. Fast Five? I can't remember. But there's fast, just every yeah. single no, name has been wildly No, because they are, they are nuts. And then the fucking latest one is Fast X. X yeah, what no. the... What? Because Vin Diesel can't get past the fact that he did Triple X one time. <laughs> and then try to constant, like, oh, consistently Christ. make it again and what again. Was it? I, the like, Ice Cube one is good. Do you, do you remember he did the fucking... Um, that Witch Hunter fucking Oh, film. based off his D&D character. Was that what it was? Yeah, apparently it's good. But yeah, but what I love about that is that in, like, he was doing an interview apparently and he was like, oh yeah, I reckon it'll really take off by the third film. It's like, what are you talking about? Why would you want it to take off by <laughs> yeah, the third film? Like, but what, Do a good first what, one. What headspace are you in where you're like, yeah, we're planning for three films down the line? Oh, incredible. What a man. Franchise. That was the word I was looking for. I was trying to figure out what's the word for all these films because it's not a trilogy. No, it's a... It's a ten tol- ten, ten films. All right, here we go. This is this has quickly become a, a podcast about <laughs> the, the, the Fast, Fast and the Furious podcast. All right, so it is the Fast and the Furious, and then it's the number two Fast, and <laughs> the then the number two, two Furious. furious. Then it's the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, which they've oh. never put a subtitle before. Then it's Fast and Furious. Not no these. No, just Fast and. And then, but it's also the and symbol rather than the word. Yeah. And. Oh yeah. For the first time, they use the first appearance of the ampersand. <laughs> then it's Fast, fast five, five, Fast and Furious, furious. and then six. the number six, Fast. Oh, Furious Seven. <laughs> 
that's a that's a rogue so, choice. So we've had oh my god. And then the fate of the Furies. Now you'd think with the numbers I've been putting in, it would be the F eight of and oh, Furious. But it's my not. God. It's just randomly Where were the you? fate of the Furious. And then and then F nine. <laughs> F nine and then Fast X. What are they doing? Oh my god. It's incredible. Jeez Louise. It, the, yeah, anyway. Yes, that was a <laughs> tangent of all tangents. Um, well, to, to get back onto subject, we're probably the thing that everybody's been clawing after since we started this. Um, we're going to start talking about combat. Hi-ya! Oh! <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> you did say last episode that we were going to fight. And that's You yeah. were going to bring our broadswords yeah, and we were going to fight. Did you not bring yours? <laughs> I brought my battle axe. Fuck. <laughs> I'll just chop your, I'll chop your battle axe and sword beats wood. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fair. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Though I reckon if I had a glaive, I'd probably have you. Yeah, I for, for ages. Sword. I for ages. In fact, I just pictured the wrong thing. Then I thought a glaive was like a type of maul. No, no, but it's not. It's just a sword on the end of a stick. Yeah, I I only recently learned this as well because I I recently wanted to start playing a character, a paladin, or any fighter class. Mm-hmm. I chose a paladin because smite, and also I wanted to play like a holy knight. You picked like a, a pa- you picked a paladin because you wanted to be the god of DPS, basically. <laughs> yeah, and essentially, I wanted to. I really wanted to play a game where I was using like ten foot range. Yeah, I just wanted to see what that would feel like to mm-hmm. be able to be like, well, well, if you you know, I can attack stuff at ten foot. And also, attacks opportunity if they run away in there. And I forgot that I could fly because I'm an Azamar paladin, so I just fly ten feet above everyone and stab down. You can't always fly though. You can oh if you use your radiant soul, you can basically for a whole combat you're yeah, flying. Exactly. Okay. It's not it's not OP, it's just I very nice for one fight. Fucking flight. No, yeah. but it's not something you can do every time. If I was like a if I was like an Aracocra, yeah. then you're like fuck's sake. <laughs> Aracocra with a glaive and a paladin. Oh Jesus Christ. Oh my god. Smitey flighty. <laughs> uh, couple that with polar masters. So oh, yeah. if they move within ten feet of you. Smart. Oh, <laughs> fuck a bug if you did a bugbear, because they've got ten foot reach anyway, all of a sudden you've got a twenty foot reach. That's hilarious. Jesus Christ. Anyway, combat. So mm. you're probably thinking... You probably, you've kind of hearing our voice, actually, the pain of combat. So we're kind of wincing <laughs> talking about different builds. I love combat. I, I have to say, combat is so much fun. So, yeah. In terms of, like, I think the hardest question everybody says is, like, how do you balance your encounters? And believe it or not, it's actually in the book. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. What? It tells you exactly what you need to know. So basically, if you're trying to balance encounters, you just look at the XPs of your monsters. That's literally it. That's all you do, and you fill in a fucking table. But there's a really good, useful um, resource online called Cobalt Fight Club. Oh, yes. Uh, where you could put in the how many players you've got, what level they are, and how many monsters they're fighting, and you can write them in. And it that will does tell it digitally. You- ba- wow. I'm going to try that again. Mm. That, does- that does it digitally, basically. Keep all of this in. <laughs> yeah, no, don't get rid of it. Um, we need to show that we're human. Yeah, you know what I mean, we I'm need not to prove perfect. that we are human to the listeners. Yes, this is not <laughs> Chat GPT <laughs> audios. We are not robots. We are people talking about D and D. Don't ask me to prove it. I am not a shill for Wizards of the Coast. I am not a shill for Wizards <laughs> of the Coast. We receive no sponsorship money. <laughs> Because they won't give it to us. No, they won't. <laughs> They're trying to take it all from you. Ah, I'm joking. Um, so, but the, um, yeah, the thing with bouncing cards, I think, is uh, something to bear in mind. There's basically different tiers of uh, uh, the lethality, I guess, is um, trivial, easy, medium, hard, deadly. And they are basically, the, the book says that a character, your character should be able to survive six to eight 
medium to hard encounters a day um and well sorry per long rest um and medium to hard is kind of like the sweet spot the with those medium encounters will like will be a challenge but no one's likely to die hard no one's likely to die but it's possible and then deadly is when it's likely that at least one player will die and maybe more it's also worth saying that because D&D relies on dice and can be quite swingy sometimes you can have a medium encounter which is lethal if you're not careful you can have a, you can have a easy encounter which is oh. lethal believe it or not there's a there's, there's the first encounter you can have in um lost minds of Fandelva, the starter set you've got goblins there that can do a d6 damage right mm. d6 plus two i think two or three um and then one of the things in the it's box two. is it two one of the creatures in, yeah of course it is the one of the characters in the box is a wizard he'll have like eight hit points um and it's not impossible for a goblin to kill them in one shot yeah. if they get a critical hit. Um, it, it, Max damage accidentally, yeah, exactly. do you know what I mean? It's Level like, one boom, is dead. terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so even with those kind of guidelines, sometimes, I mean, we've both had this, and sometimes you can throw the deadliest of all deadly encounters at your player and then they are absolutely fine. Mm. Um, so there's kind of like, it's a guidance, but you have to kind of be aware that it can go any which way. For me, the biggest factors basically... There's there's two there's two things. Let's from continuing from about like using the easy and medium deadly mm. hard kind of stuff. A lot of that, and you'll see it when you use either if you're using D and D Beyond's Encounter Tracker, if you're using Cold War at Cold Ball Fight Club, wherever you're using, it'll tell you as you input how many players you have and what mm. level they are their daily threshold. Mm. Now this is something I do on the regular. Every combat I do is usually deadly. And I will do more mm. than one deadly combat encounter. Yeah. I will also make sure that the threshold for that combat encounter is... I will look at... If I'm going to throw one monster at them, I will look at making that one monster their daily threshold XP. Rather than just, like, what what makes it hard, what makes yeah. it easy, what makes it deadly. I'll just use the whole day in one combat encounter, and then I'll do it again. Like, no shit's given. But that that comes with a caveat. That's how I do it, and that's how I like to run my games, and I mm. like to roll, you know, I like to roll the dice on, like, deadly encounters. I'm like, yeah, it's meant to be deadly. Do you know what I mean? If I, Most of the games that I run are meant to be deadly. Some of them aren't, and the game is literally pushed in the favor of the players, so don't yeah. feel afraid to throw deadly encounters. I, yeah, I think that's the thing. I think people can, obviously, especially a New Yorker Master, can see deadly and think, oh, no, that's a TPK. It's not. It's <laughs> it's one might die. Yeah. Um, but also, remember, we, we've actually talked about this before we started recording. I'm currently running a campaign where there is going to be some fairly frequent, especially at level one, which is a really lethal level, where like the wizard if they take 18 points of damage will be dead and have to like dead 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 in one and one yeah. hit so it's quite a scary level um but we were having conversations about how when you're in combat don't forget that maybe not every enemy is going to want to kill them so you can have that kind of like you can have a really deadly encounter to overwhelm your party and knock them unconscious and maybe they're taking this prisoner or maybe um they're mugged or whatever but then also i like to i know this kind of falls out of combat but when we talk about encounters i quite like to have explain to people that the world doesn't level up with you um if you go to the deep dark woods in the north you're gonna come across trolls and giants even if you are level two mm. um but what i do do <laughs> what i will do <laughs> <laughs> you 
totally broke. <laughs> you can see it in your eyes. Doo doo. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I will do is I will signpost like you uh, see, uh, you know, this hulking green giant walking past you, and you know you can see from the strength in its arms that you could be killed in one hit. Yeah. And signpost that back. If the party then go, fuck it, we'll give it a crack. And sometimes you find it's like there's this weird point of like stupid metagaming hmm. where they're like, oh, but the deer wouldn't have put it in front of us if we couldn't kill it. And it's like, yes, I would. Goodbye. <laughs> I, I once, I think it was the very first game I ever ran uh, with Michael as one of my players. Mm. And um, just as like a nice flavor thing, I would make them roll uh, perception checks whilst they were traveling through this snowy tundra. Mm. And I was like, oh, if they roll high enough, they'll see like a really cool like frost worm, which was a 3.5 monster. It was right. basically a purple worm, but it was but like cold. a cold damage one. And um, I said in the distance, like about a mile off, you can see the, the snow move and out from the ground comes mm. this big hulking worm that then crashes back into the ground and is like playing in the snow. And he was like, I ride off to fight it. And I was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why? Please, no, stop. You're like, I, I, but that's, and I think this is interesting. And I feel like um, that kind of falls into a discussion of uh, somewhat around how you build your D&D games. Yeah, and yeah. I think if you look at like the core modules, right, for example, mm. they kind of assume it's the same party the whole way through. Yeah. There's not much room for character death. No. The game I'm currently running and recording, I'm trying to do, uh, there's an objective to be achieved, mm. but if you go off the rails, that's fine. It's kind of fairly open world. And I think D&D lends itself to that kind of game more than anything else. Because if, for example, you're, fe- I think I can kill this giant purple worm and they die, it's like, all right, you died fighting yeah, exactly. a fucking frost worm. The, the story can keep going we're gonna but have you're to, not gonna you're win. not your character's yeah. not there anymore um, a new character. but that's the i think uh, the way a lot of people that's why we talk about combat and like deadly stuff and maybe trying to preserve the party keep them alive it's very important with how people like to play D, yeah. which is to have there is an intended story thread like kind of pulling through exactly. this exactly um the other the other thing that i was going to say about combat and especially when making deadly encounters and if you want to make a, an encounter deadly and you want to make it hard numbers just add more oh god add more creatures because it's yeah. it's action economy essentially at the end of the day if you have more creatures they have more actions than the players if you have four players and you have eight creatures that means they have two attacks for every single player this the, the, it, it, I, there's a thing i think okay, one of the creators i don't know if it's gygax that might be just like a name i'm pulling out of nowhere but i know gygax someone... <laughs> it's sounds coming like a, to me sounds like a transformer doesn't it mm. i am so, gygax <laughs> it's a cool fucking name it sounds like the kind of person that made D. gary <laughs> That's his name. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, they call me Gygax. Gary, Gary Gygax. Um, short for Garrison. Um, so, <laughs> um, you have uh, somebody anyway involved in D&D said if you put one, if your big bad is by themselves in front of your party, it yeah. doesn't really matter. Like They can be really deadly. Your party will off them. Yeah, with ease because they, they, there's only so much they can do I mean legendary actions work to mitigate that a little bit mm. but having like an adult an adult red dragon right facing your party oh yeah it's a challenge probably quite deadly but the players will probably if they spread out enough and are clever they can do it put five kobolds in yeah. and spread it out mm-hmm. the kobolds can for example just go to everyone take the help action and give the dragon advantage on every attack so you've mm. already you've, uh, you've doubled the dice rolls there or they can do other stuff they can do ranged attacks so whilst the party are like trying to whittle down the red dragon they're being whittled down 
down with people out of range. Like when you're doing your combat, I think the most exciting thing is to make everything a bit more versatile. So more enemies, harder to get. Because I, I, having goblins in the trees, for example, then people have got to climb up the trees to get them. The goblins can keep climbing and keep firing down. And you can ke- make the ground a bit more versatile and make the, all these enemies make it a lot, a lot more threatening. There's a really cool, there's a really cool optional rule uh, for combat, which is called um, mob rules. And mm, it's, yeah. it's really worth looking up and really worth getting into. But basically what it means is that the more creatures that are there have automatic success hits. And that's that's how to deal with a mob in terms of like if if you were gonna play a game that's like in the middle of a full scale battle, yeah, you are guaranteed to take these many hits. Or you know, I actually just killed my players with this because literally they pissed off everyone and, and everything in Curse of Strahd and they f- had to fight a bunch of werewolves and revenants all at the same time and they just went out to meet their deaths. They knew. They were like, we're not making out of this alive, but maybe one of the players can. Yeah. So all the rest of us are going to go out and just fight until the last man yeah. whilst you escape. And that was literally what happened. That's a beautiful Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, it, well, yeah, that's what happened at the end of my Strahd game. They never finished it. Um, but essentially what it means is that like, it's if, if the role needed to basically meet the AC of your player character, it means that more characters more monsters are needed to to do the hit and that's essentially all it means yeah you need more monsters if your ac is high and the way that i integrate this with my regular combat and i terrified the life out of your um thursday group the other the other week when i ran that session because what i did was i used this and there's another thing that i'd heard of and that had been used against me as a player which was called minion rules and it means that you've basically got all the numbers however you um the players only need to hit it once once to kill it and that puts the fear of god and also don't they all have the same abilities as the main guy or something like they so that's not how i ran it how i ran it was like i literally had like a little list of a a demon that i thought would work for this so it had its attack bonus and its pluses to attack Mm -hmm. and it if um if it had multi-attack it would do two attacks if it hit you if it's if your ac was low enough yeah it would hit you. Yeah. And you just got mobbed. And there was like a portal that was just churning out these demons whilst the demon lord was slowly like taking out the cleric. I think that's really, like, again, adding more elements to your combat can make. Uh, so there's an argument that easy medium encounters can sometimes be like, this is a waste of time. You know, it's we're just going to chop away at numbers until everyone's gone. But adding some versatility to your kind of combats makes things really exciting. So yeah. kind of talk about that spawning enemies. I had. A combat that happened where there was a big machine with three kind of cylinders that had to be pushed in for a reason I don't need to get into. Basically, they they each but they had to push in these three cylinders whilst combat's going on. Every round, one d four magma methods appeared. Yeah, Um, and initially, and the party are like level five, like oh whatever methods, who cares? And they're kind of popping out and they're trying to push these cylinders and they're really hard to push in. And I keep being like one d four methods appear. These guys do this. These okay, cool, 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 cool. They're taking bits of damage. And I think it was four rounds in. They went, how many methods are they? They hadn't killed any of them. And folks were pushing these cylinders. I went, 16. They went, what? Yeah. Said, yeah, there's 16 methods. And they're like, what? where did they come from? I was like, I've been rolling. I've been told, yeah, telling, yeah, yeah. I told you how many appeared. And they're like, Shh. and then they're just getting absolutely mobbed by it. Because as they build up, it's getting more and more of a problem that they weren't really thinking about. Until like, how many are there? It's like, you're, you're, and they're like, oh God. So you're adding another element. It's like, right. Some of us need to push the cylinders in. Some need to help you push the cylinders in because they're hard to push in. Some of us need to take them on. And having more, like multiple yeah. things going on in your combat can make a combat they're likely to win feel more exciting yeah. like give them a don't i personally don't think you should make combat shouldn't be 
winning the combat as the objective can be fun, but it's more fun if there's something else they have to do. Yeah. And give them like, because then they're like, even if it's near a medium combat, you can't just focus on killing the bad guys because maybe there's a timer that someone you're trying to catch is going to run away. Or maybe or they're killing someone else that you need to save. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're just yeah. whittling down someone else. Yeah. You start with a friendly NPC and death saves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they've got three rounds to save this guy. Yep. I um, I have to say, for me, the biggest thing about combat is making sure that there's a story through it mm. and always making sure that whatever monster you're using has a reason to be there and is doing yeah. something and also trying to create trying to create a narrative through combat. So I I studied film um just in my spare time and one of the things that I love about film is action films. And one of the things that I looked into and got really, really invested in and really enjoy is the fact that when the choreographing... Well, the difference between a good action film and a bad action film is that when they're having a fight, there's a story or there's not. If it's just one person being... You know, like the Fast and the Furious movies, funnily enough, yeah. in their contracts, it says only... You know what I mean? That only They can only take so many punches and it has to be the exact and same punches. And I have punches, to win and... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas great action films like John Wick have the main character getting the shit beaten out of them and being and being forced into situations where they have to use their creativity yep. to defeat a certain enemy. But what the actual thing that you don't realise is, is the detail of the choreography, is that within a story, there are certain beats you have to hit. Mm-hmm. You have to have like an equilibrium. You have to have something surprise you. You have to have a moment where you think you've got the upper hand and then you've lost. Mm-hmm. And then you have to slowly build your way back up until the point where you win and you reach equilibrium again if you learn something new. Mm-hmm. That's the general premise for a story. A fight should have the exact same feel. Now, you can't tell that. You can't do that. Not in D&D. D&D. No. However, you can narrate it. Yeah. And if you make sure that what you're monster is doing whether that's a fighter whether that's a spellcaster whether that's a load of goblins whether that's a load of beasts as long as you narrate it doing the thing that it wants to do to the players and the players attacking it and you make it feel if you make sure that you're helping your players narrate as well because a really fun thing to do that i love doing is and it depends on the player as well i'll say to a player how do you hit it it's not necessarily like a critical hit or anything like that like a matt mercer how do you want to kill this it's more of a what do you do? Explain to me how your magic looks as you cast fireball or whatever. I, I, something I've tried to encourage my players to do is I'll say to them, um, and I've discussed this before. It's like try to explain, try to avoid saying, um, uh, "I roll to attack my longsword." Say yeah. what you do. Well, I if if somebody does just say I hit it with my longsword, I'll take on that responsibility for them. I'll be like, okay, that's where you're at as yep. a player. Maybe you're not into this yet and maybe you've not yeah, got... Because yeah, yeah. some people panic. Some people, oh, you can 100%. see it in their eyes. You're like, what do you do? And they go, oh, I hit it with my longsword. How do you do that? Uh, I've never used a longsword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With my hands, right? I just swing it with my arms, right? I have Whereas, I have seen that yeah. with some of my players where I will be like, um, I, I, I've thrown it to them. I've yeah. been like, how do you do that? And if they stumble, I'm like, maybe you would do this. And I go, oh yeah, that's cool. You narrate them through that. And then as you play more, they start to pick up on that. And exactly, like, yeah. You yeah. give them those awesome moments. It's like, I can take it. But what I will always say to players is like, never narrate the conclusion. Never narrate what happens. Just narrate say what, what you, you do. Because someone's yeah, like, yeah. I grab him and chop his head off. I'm like, no. Okay, you, you, you rolled you, one down. You missed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But say, because then I can be like, as he, because uh, then it also gives you the opportunity as the dungeon master to make your enemies seem slick. 
Yeah. So if your player misses because they got a five, right? Don't be like, oh, you slip and fall and you miss. No. You'd be like, you go to drive towards the um, bandit captain, but he he's incredibly dexterous and quick. He ducks right beneath your blow and as uh, kind of on the backswing, he turns around and tries to attack you. So then yeah. you can kind of make combat seem a bit more fluid yeah. and the misses they make, you can use them to make your guys seem more threatening like having a having a creature with a high ac that's maybe like something like a giant or a well you know maybe it's like a goliath warrior mm. having your character you know maybe they just didn't hit the ac by maybe five or mm-hmm. th- you know three they just they're just a bit low having the narration and having the narration of the goliath catches the sword with its bare hand yeah. and throws it to the side yeah. and that is something you can do if you can do it properly mm. people can catch swords yeah, and they're yeah. fucking nuts but what i mean is like that's that's the fear of God into your player right there. You missed, and this motherfucker caught your sword yeah. and threw it to the side, and is now getting ready to attack. Well, you. exactly, and it's also like I've had when it had a combat last night, and someone threw a hand axe at the chest of the uh, creature, and they said seventeen. Yeah, yeah, I said hand axe. Yeah, I said, <laughs> they said seventeen, and I said your hand axe strikes the chest of the creature, goes to roll damage from it. Mm. It sticks in his chest. The creature pulls it out, looks at it, laughs. Yeah. and throws it to the floor, you don't do any damage. And then it's like, oh, Because, like, what actually happened is they rolled one too low. Yeah. They, and they could have said they missed. No, you. that was a really yeah, good, good hit. Really good hit. This creature is bothered. It's thick hide. It does not care. Yeah. Um, it's not... I, I do like to let... Because you were sort of saying, you know, it's it was like a more of a... You roll to hit, and then I'm going to start describing. Whereas I actually like to do all the rolls yes, first. Yeah, I, yes, that's oh, how. It, yeah. Do you as well? It was uh, yeah. very I much. I do be- all the rolls. I go. Do you hit? Yes. Okay. Roll your damage. Do you hit? No. Okay. And that's when I start my description, so that there's always for me. It's almost like I know what's going to happen now, and I don't feel off balance. Something I played with a bit, which I ended up not doing because it got a bit cumbersome. Oh yeah. But I experimented with not narrating anything until the end of the round. Oh wow! Because it can, bloody <laughs> it was good. It was really fun when you kind of during it. It's kind of like right. We did the whole thing. What do you do? I cast Eldritch Blast, roll to attack, uh, did it, do all the maths, and then go <laughs> narrate the scene. Yeah, and it made for some really cool narrations yeah. because time was a bit more fluid. It was kind of like um, you know someone had been swallowed by a creature and then pulled back out. I could talk it like about like a last minute thing, and you can make time flow a bit different. But it was a lot of kind of... It was really fun, really you impactful. you had to remember what everybody yeah. did that, and that whole round. It was a lot of burden on me. I quite enjoyed doing stuff as we went along a little bit more. Because um, at, at the end of the day as well, like you can keep that same... Like I, I always try to keep players in the world of the game, especially during combat. Yeah. One of, one of my best combats, I think everybody can watch, it's halfway through um, into, the, uh, into the Wastelands, the Eternal Army, with Roll Together... Uh, they have a fight against one of the members of the Eternal Army called Cryden. And I think it's one of my best combats because of the way that it was all narrated, mm. the way that everything just slowly took place. And what I what I like to do is make sure that everybody feels like they're in world. So when it comes to a player's turn, I try to narrate what's going on at the same time. So if a player's just taken their turn and they've taken some hits and they've also de- you know dealt some hits, then it's like, okay, it's your turn. You've just seen your friend run in, da 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 mm. what do you do? Uh, you know, if it's the last player's turn, right, you've seen this, you've seen the creature do that, you've seen, and I'm reminding them of what's yeah. just happened, so it puts them into character, and they can go, I run away. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, um, they realise the futileness, or they realise that, you know, maybe I left a clue to a weakness during somebody else's description that they're going to pick up on now. Yeah. I mean, you notice that the radiant damage was is searing yeah, away you can see it's still yeah. kind of affecting i i think there's really fun ways yeah i think 
a lot of people, this is quite a common thing for people to say, but the role play doesn't stop when initiative is rolled. Like, no. keep it going. Yeah. Uh, also, if you've got a big bad, uh, maybe write down a few lines that you want them to say during the fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, a nice prep. Maybe even kind of like a uh, three categories. Going well for them. Mm. Kind of in the middle, it's hard to tell, and going poorly for them. Yeah. So they can, if they're doing arrogant, it's like, who did you think? Well, how did you think this was going to go? You came to me in my home, and this is where you die. <laughs> Layer actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or you can have it's going really badly for them. How? What? What? How is this power? Where did this come from? This is not what I expected from you. And you can kind of then have that prepped, and you can read from it and give that real immersive thing for your players. Yeah. And also that gives them stuff to bat off because when I was doing a big bad counter, I had a player who kept like snarking back at them. That was really fun because yeah. there was a bit of back and forth because they had something to bounce off. Oh, I love I love playing like having because they are they are alive and whatever it is like some of the funniest combat encounters I've ever had and some of the most like most dramatic come from making sure that you're still playing the characters mm. like. Um, I did a little small goblin encounter for a level three party that, you know, they were all first time players, but two of them, it's a, you know, like a nice five, six person group, two new players, uh, four new players, two players that played maybe once or twice before. Mm. Nice group, goblin encounter. And they just couldn't hit this one goblin and they'd killed all its friends and it was just trying to run away. <laughs> and literally I was just describing this goblin running away and I said, you know, you roll to hit it. Okay, you miss. You, you know, you claw at it with your claw. And they, they had like multi-attack because they were a monk and key points galore. And I was like, you claw at it, you kick at it, you try to bite its head and you can just hear it go, <laughs> <laughs> dodging out of the way, ducking behind you. You know what I mean? And you, you know, some of them could speak goblin and some of them couldn't. So when they were like, one of them had a gun, one of the goblins had like a gun and it was like screaming, booyaga, booyaga. Yeah. And, but everybody else, you can hear, magic, magic. <laughs> and it's like, that created a yeah. whole, literally when I see that tech team, um, they, they literally scream at me, booyaga. Because <laughs> that to them was so memorable because yeah. the creatures were alive and were experiencing yeah. what was happening to them as well. Yeah, no, 100%. I think you say, try and make them feel real. Um, yeah. and then there's some re- there's useful resources online for making your characters seem realistic so kind of like um, you know the, uh, realistically a wizard's going to have a backup plan to escape yeah. realistically people aren't going to want to fight to the death if they see their friend die think are they it, how does this monster re- this bandit react are they going to go oh my god you killed my friend I'm going to end your life or do they think oh my god my colleague just died I'm leaving yeah. this is too intense this isn't worth it um, that's the monsters know what they're doing as well that's like, the yeah really great, great blog book. And book really useful really worth reading for any new DMs it really mm. teaches you from start to finish everything about every monster it also, and everything it, it teaches you how to read a stat block yeah. which I think is actually sounds there's more to reading like so you can kind of it'll be like right this one's got high dex low strength so it's going to want to stay quick it's going to be trying to lighten its feet and stay far away or if it's like got high strength high con it's a melee fight it's going to be right up in your kind of grill this is it's the it's the probably the hardest job of a DM is actually the amount of work you have to do comes from knowing what your monsters can do. Yeah, and tactics and stuff. But, you know, you put that on top of all the other things that you're doing as a DM, you can understand why people Mm. struggle with combat because they're, you know, they're focused on world building or they're focused on this. And the things that they like and sometimes, like, the minutiae of things can be a bit boring and not, not always focused on and left to the wayside. God, I can't fucking count how many times I've just picked a stat block because I went, yeah, that's the monster I'll use. Not ready. And then halfway through, I've gone, 
Oh, this does less or more damage oh. than I've been doing. Or fucking, um, oh, I, I have a slard's loads. I've been using them quite a lot recently. Um, oh, it has magic resistance. So it has advantage on all saves against magic. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I forgot it gets 10 hit points back every round. And like, you're like, oh, so like read through, try and read through your stat blocks before you go in. Um, understand what your abilities can do. I mean, also, the thing I, the, one of the fumbles I learned. So I've run uh, the Lost Minds of Fandala campaign a few times. Yeah. When I was like, quite early DMing was I had a young green dragon they were fighting. Okay. And the second time I ran it, I was trying to make him be clever. I gave him spell casting. He cast Charm Person on someone and stuff like this. And then the players wailed the shit out of it <laughs> and killed him. And I was like, huh. And then I was reading the Monster Man. I was like, hey, it's got a breath weapon that can do... I knew it had a breath weapon, but I was like, I'll bet, try and be clever. No, the dragon's in a fight. It'll use its breath weapon and leave until it can use it again. Yeah. Because it doesn't want to die. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It would do that. And it was like having this idea of those tactics of how it would operate was really fun. Yeah. The one I think, uh, the most recent run I did with it was I changed it to an adult green dragon because I expanded Lost... I got Lost Minds of Fandelb and Dragon of Ice by a Peak, put them together and stretched it out. So it went to level nine instead of level five. Cool. So the final badge was an adult green dragon. But the adult green dragon had been a druid in disguise helping the party but what he'd been doing is getting the party to do his dirty work and clear out the territory so then it could rule dominion over it and then once it had done that it was going to kill the party because it didn't want any more powerful creatures in the land that meant that's a great campaign it was so much fun but that meant it spent months working out what they could do Mm. so it would every single time they would come back it would ask for details how did it go what did you do how was the combat how did what what are you good at and they would just store us because then when i came to the combat first of all i realized that every single person apart from one player had a um a resistance and advantage on poison saves and poison damage oh and green dragons do poison damage yeah so he gave them he created a homebrew magic item that he made called but which basically negated that yeah so he gave them a little pendant which meant if you had resistance you didn't you had also had vulnerability so it cancelled out and if you have advantage on saves against poison you now have disadvantage as well so that cancels out so he dealt with that problem he knew the clerics were pretty beefy and also really good at getting people to kind of um up again have they noticed did they notice that through the campaign so Mm -hmm. like when did they like until the end so yeah because none of them took poison damage no none of them so he kind of had picked up from conversations and was he was kind of like talking to them and then he was like oh you're a dwarf so you're this you're that he's like right okay i know enough to know this is gonna be a problem and then we did um basically there was a member of the party who he had an ancestral feud with so during the fight, uh, his his dad cool. killed its mum. Yeah, it was yeah, a whole yeah. thing. Basically, when the combat began, he revealed himself as the adult green dragon. They plunged down into his lair because they were in the room above it because it was subterranean. And they put a hedge up between him, the clerics, and the guy who wanted to kill that was like really hard to get through because he was like, I'm not letting you in here. You can't no, can no longer see him. You can no longer get to him. You have to spend four feet of movement to get through and you take damage. It's 10 foot thick. So what happened is I had him, the squishy druid, and the guy who wanted to kill on one side of the hedge. And the guys on the other side like, what the shit do we do? Trying to shoot him over the hedge because he they could just about see him, but he had like plus five AC because of like three quarters cover. And every time they got through the hedge, put it back up against a lair action. And they were just on the other side like, what the fuck are we going to do? As he's killing this guy, just absolutely wailing the shit, breath weapon just focused on him entirely. And then whilst that, every time the hedge opened, he grabbed a vine, pulled them back and put it back up again. And it was fun to have them be, and they were like, why is he doing this? It's like, he knows how you fight. Yeah. And he knows you have to stay away. He'll deal with you later. But right now he has a, an objective and he's going to do everything he can to get to it. And there was, it was fun and it was tense. And I think um, the, the risk I played with that is that three members of the party 
felt like they couldn't get involved in the fight. But the tension of our friend is dying and we need to do everything we can to get there added enough for them to be like... Yeah, they weren't distracted by that. They were like, we, it's like, no, we need to fix... Because yeah. they'd played a whole campaign together. It's yeah. like the, the stakes are already there. And then like the hedge would come down, they'd cast uh, healing words, we'd get back up. Hedge would go back up, it'd kill it again. It's like, oh my God. Oh, it's beautiful. That's good nice. stuff. Did you end up killing that character? Uh, no. They made it through. Uh, I had uh, he had his father's sword, who had uh, which had an element of his father's soul trapped within it. And when he died, which he did, I did actually kill him. Yeah. But his soul went into the sword as well. And his dad spoke with a really beautiful, like Role emotional player, connection yeah. moment where he was like, "You're a dragon slayer, son. You can do it." Yeah. And he sent him back, like on uh, full health again and ready to go. Yeah. And again, it was that kind of the dragon to just turned its attention to attack the others, and it turned around like just full of rage. And I just had him screw this dragon like furious and screaming like why won't you fucking die why why did why do you get to live and she died screw it and just it was just really fun to role play that and have it be clever that's that's what i mean by combat being a story yes do you know what i mean it's not it's not about just punching the dragon it's about making sure that you've seeded the reasons why everybody's here Mm -hmm. and now we're gonna duke it out and we're gonna do it this way and i think that's that for me we can end combat there because I think that's all, that's all I've got to say about it. Yeah, I think it would be good to talk about actually the the boring side of combat of keeping track, but I think that's a good good. Way oh to yeah, up. yeah. No, actually, keeping track is. I've, in fairness, I just write all the initiatives down on a piece of paper. Yeah, uh, there's a it's lot. Pretty, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't just, find it that I hard. Think yeah. A fun thing to do is if you've got a bunch of like goblins, have uh, like a this goblin wears an eye patch, and this yes. goblin. So then you can. Keep because I'm always like, wait, which one's Goblin Four? Yeah, fuck, which one's Goblin Four? Oh, I've got no minis. Wait, oh my god! So you tried to kind of. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do them as like a um, a I'll clump all the hit points together. Yeah. So let's say uh, as they're uh, slowly whittling down yeah. the the total. So every one seven dies, hit points that goes down, a Goblin dies. That's interesting. I guess I guess the only the only time that somebody might would be like, I'm hitting this Goblin loads of times and it's not dying, and it's because all the other ones are dying. Hey, but what, you, what you do is as a seven if, when so let's say I'm damaging uh, this one Goblin mm-hmm. and then they hit it and then that drops it down to like the next seven gone, he will go down. Oh, but it will result in you will have a beefy Goblin. Like one goblin who was like the boss. It's like, yeah. why won't this die? It's like he is ripped. You you look now, and this goblin is jacked. <laughs> you realize I patch goblin. Been going to the gym, <laughs> dude. You've been lifted. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I think I think that's a really that's a really good way to like make sure that if you give every if you've got multiple of the same monster, giving them little quirks quirks certainly gives them like I I mean sometimes I give them names like that they'll scream to each other like. I had a fight with a lot of demons and um, only one character could speak Abyssal. And uh, as they were burning the demons, one of them was like, no, Jerry, no! I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm going to die. I'm going to die, Jerry. Don't let this happen to me. Please, no. Larry, Larry, no. Larry, no, don't die. I'm coming for you. I fully thought, I don't know why I thought this, because this wouldn't be you. It was just... You slayed Corsair Agonite. It was like, no, it's Jim Stephen Gary. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, it was, it was a spare of the moment. It was really fun, and yeah, they all funny. knew they they all knew which one was which. Yeah. <laughs> I'd tell you that they knew exactly which one was which one, and they were they were on it after. I, that. I think in summary, I guess they're trying to keep your combat story. Put some like uh, multiple elements in it, so it's not just hit until hit points gone. Give a story. Give make your yeah. enemies clever if they need to be, or fight them as they would. Cover kind of and um, having like 
terrain things in your combat is a really mm. big thing. I mean, if you're using miniatures and you're using land terrain, put pillars in a room, put trees in a room yeah. so that creatures have cover so they can Stuff duck behind can things. Yeah. And that that kind of things really, really helps. You know, spellcasters using area of effect spells. Mm. The, these are all the things that when you look at your stat blocks, you'll realize. But in terms of setting up combat, for me, story and setting. Mm. Story and setting are the two things that you need to know. The monsters just fill the space. Yeah. And if you know how to use them and you know why they're there, then they just breathe. Yeah, it'll be, yeah. If you, that's the thing with D and I guess, is if you like, if you, there's certain things that you like will naturally occur if you know stuff about them. So, like, if you like, yeah, you'll know how the creature will act if you know why it's there. Exactly. So, if let's say an ogre improvisation got, at the yeah. end of the day, isn't it? And the more you know, the easier it is to yeah. improvise. Like this troll's gone hunting. If a party tries to kill this troll, it's like I've got no beef with you. What the? F- I, I'm leaving. What? The, yeah, how have you done so much damage to me? I'm off. Like I can sc- heal myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I like it. I like it. And you know, there's optional rules for combat, like um, you know, having what's it called, uh, flanking rules. Yeah, flanking. Yeah, there's there's so many optional rules, and and honestly, whatever makes you happy, mm. just uh, don't don't do things that are going to make things hard for you or or if they're going to make it hard for you and you like that then do it Mm. but just optional rules and things like that in terms of combat just whatever creates the most fun in a game Mm. and if you don't like flanking rules if you think giving your players advantage is too much because they're already too strong because they've got elven accuracy which gives them triple advantage whenever they get advantage and it just means they crit all the time and you can never put a fucking problem in front of them is that a real thing that happened to you yeah oh okay I don't know how Mm. I knew that (laughs) Maybe it was the pain in your eyes. D&D being like, oh, never give double advantage because it breaks our game. Except for when you can use his feet, which will give you triple advantage. What are you doing? Wizards of the Coast, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, Lord. Anyway. But yeah, I think for me, that's that's combat. Yeah. That's combat. But the next thing I guess to talk about that the DM kind of men- uh, the DMG mentions is chases. And I believe you were telling me you had a fun story about chase. It's not even a... They're just... Like the rules in the book are just like nothing. Um, like the 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 rules they provide basically is that like you have you're you're going in the chase, and the the, the thing it sets up is like usually a chase can be quite boring because like whoever's fastest will win, and whoever's slowest will not win, and then doesn't solve that problem. Yeah, and it's like well, what what's going on? Well, how do you how do you kind of run this? Um. But there's there's a few nuggets of stuff in here, so I, I of that I think are quite useful, uh, which I think I will focus on because my fun story was basically we were like we spent ages setting up a chase. Like I was like, right, where are you all standing? This is the person. This is the person you're chasing. This is where you're going. Call cool. and it took us a good solid moment to work. I had a table ready for like the stuff that will happen. They cast a spell and they died. I was like, oh, okay. There was no chase. There was no need for a chase. Um, so it's a kind of like it's a thing the book phrases as a thing you can do but i think you've got to be kind of maybe like i kind of i've maybe i made the mistake where i was like right end initiative we're well, not end initiative we'll move from that combat to a chase kind of thing um yeah. which just ended up being a bit boring because it took ages to it up and they end it really quickly um the things that are fun is it's like the stuff with dashing. Like yeah. you can't just dash forever. Eventually you'll gain exhaustion, um, which means, which can kind of end up someone being, so eventually your speed gets hard and they start to get away. Um, but I, I think the only thing that's really good, there's dashing and then there's like a chase complications table, yeah. which is kind of like if you're running through an open environment, you roll randomly to see what happens. But my thing I say is with uh, random encounters as well, just plan what happens. 
just say what's going to happen because then you can you have it in your mind what's going to occur and as they round a corner you can say what happens i guess i I would say that the other side of that as well is like if a chase happens and you can't plan it Mm. do you know what i mean like yeah you which you had no idea this was going to go on so for me i'd read the chase rules and i kind of knew what i was doing before i before I went into it, All I was right. doing it out of the abyss. Good for you. No, but like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was doing it out of the abyss, and they'd got to Gracklestuck. And oh, is this Drokey? Yeah. My chase was Drokey. <laughs> but it also happened during. There's a point where a giant oh, who's yeah, got yeah, two yeah, heads yeah, from a yeah. demon curse. Oh, that would have been fun. Appears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also said, oh, and that's when you see Drokey. So essentially, two chases happened. Because the wizard cast Expeditious Retreat and ran away from the giant, which then saw magic and went, I'm going to go after that. Oh, <laughs> Two good. of the players ran after Droki, who went through the Durgar. Durgar? Is that right? Um, no, it's the, um, they like the port district. No, no, no. They went through the Durgar district. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, okay. So they went from the port district where anybody's allowed into the Durgar district to follow Droki. So essentially got the shit kicked out of them by just a load of commoner Durga. And the complication table basically influenced that. They were having, like, fucking vases thrown at them and shit like that, because they were like, get out of our fucking district. Get out of my town! And they ended up being arrested and coming back. And whilst they were doing that, tracing Droki and getting arrested and having, like, a full-on fight with a Durga who ended up being a soldier, um, they also had this giant, this two-headed giant chasing after this wizard, going through buildings. Oh my <laughs> like, god. Ch- like, literally chasing after this wizard. And then they killed the... I think they killed the giant um, to stop it. Yeah. Which is also another consequence if in the game, if you're running out of the abyss. But it became something really fun because it was like it was like combat, but nobody was fighting really. <laughs> yeah, it was, everybody yeah. was just sort of running and running in opposite directions. One of them was running through the dock district as this giant was oh, smashing brilliant. down buildings, and other Duragar guards were coming in to help. So that's how the giant died as well. It wasn't yeah. just the players; it was Duragar guards going, "We need to take down this giant," but also the Duragar guards in the Duragar district going, we need to take down these fucking intruders who are clearly using this giant as an opportunity to steal our shit. Yeah, well, obviously they're outsiders. Exactly, and it and that was influenced by story again. That's kind of like you know, what I mean, the chase sequence has to have a reason, and if you're going to do it, use those things that you would find. It's harder in a wilderness area, yes, because there's not much going on. But make a table where. Another is, animal can just come out. There is a wilderness table, which is quite... Yeah, I used this recently. Oh, uh, yeah. The thing is, the second time... I tried to do chase rules again. I folded it a little bit more as we worked it out. Mm. Um, but I just found, because there's a 50-50 chance of a complication not happening, and every time it happened, I actually didn't end up rolling a complication. I was like, well, now now this has been boring. <laughs> now this has just been them moving and trying to find a person. And sometimes it's too much as well. Sometimes... Mm. Everything just happens, and then nothing happens. Which is why I think sometimes it's useful to, uh, with random encounters, don't make them random. Have a table to inspire you, and then when you're creating encounters, be like, oh, I'll use this one. Unless you're feeling especially chaotic. Yeah. Go for it. But yeah, I would always advise try and work stuff out yourself, because then you can be like, okay, I can plan for when this is going to happen, I can work out if it makes sense and give an idea to it. Being logical. Like, even if you are going like, right, this is a... I couldn't have predicted this chase happening... But I can go to these tables. I'm going to look at the 10, 11 options, mm-hmm. and I pick the one that makes oh, the most sense. Really useful table in the back <sighs> of the Dungeon Master's Guide is it? Li- it groups the monsters in the monster manual 
by uh, biome and by challenge rating. Yeah. So when I was recently, I've been planning a trek for a forest. I've gone through. A lot the of encounter builders will do that as well. Actually. Yeah, and it's really useful for me to just have the book next to me and go, okay, they're in the forest. They're at this level. I want. Oh, they can face this. They can see this. Xanathar's Guide to Everything has got random encounter tables for all the level t- um, tiers for all terrains so if you really do want a truly random encounter table you can do a d100 like for the underdark one of the possibilities for like 16th level players is 10 mind flayers so like which which is fucked like that's everyone just mind blast just um (laughs) your ours now i quite enjoyed doing that to my party who had just fought unigu and were really tired out and they were trying to sleep and the 10 mind flayers walk past like with a big cart and they're like don't get seen don't get seen don't get seen just kind of hiding um but yeah, so there's some really useful tables for that, which can kind of give you some inspiration for flavor. But often, if you can, try and be like, they will see this and this will happen. So then you can get a reason for why they've appeared and flesh out a little bit. No, exactly. Um, also, the person running away will get exhausted. So always remember that as well. Yeah. Like, whether or not they get away depends on how proficient this person is at getting away. Mm. And sometimes you can just... Make it a narrative. It doesn't have to be all dice rolls. Just say, what's your constitution? What's your constitution? What's your movement speed? What's your movement speed? And just figure out in your head logically whether or not it makes sense whether or not they'd catch this guy. Yeah, Do you know I, what I mean? agree. Or monster or whatever it is that they're fighting. You know, just just make it a narrative thing. For me personally, D&D is all about storytelling. Some, for some people, it's all about, you know, the combat and, you know. But for me, it's a, you know... It's a TTRPG, role-playing game. Yeah, no, 100%. I like to, um, again, I've, I think I've spoken about this before, but my, I like when I've been, I'm finally getting to run like uh, an adventure that's not a module. But what I like to, I've been like doing is, and I do this even when I'm running official modules, is I will not, ha- I'm not trying to tell the story. I'm just putting in um, uh, basically just other characters with different plans to the party. Yeah. And then how that evolves is how that evolves because at the end of the day, together you're telling a story. I've essentially got my own world and my own characters and then as a group, we're going to write the story together. So a lot of the kind of combat you'll come into contact with D&D is like small scale, like a group that you're all kind of working together. But I think something that can be quite fun is these big war battle kind of situations. Ooh, yeah. But they are <laughs> really difficult to run. They tried to release some mass combat rules that weren't received very well. Oh, really? Yeah, they, it was like one of the other Arcana was mass combat rules. And they are they are clunky. Um, mm. But the way I've... One thing I've thought of doing, so there's two i guess types of fight you can do that i can think of there's the sieges and then there's also being in a battle and i'm running a module the tyranny of dragons module which has like a massive fight at a a site at the well of dragons and well 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 (laughs) dragon 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 at this uh, this point they're gonna be like seven level 16 17 so i want it to be tough and what I was, what I've done is again, I've thought, right, I want to do a mass battle, but to make this interesting, I want there to be an objective. So the objective is for them to get to this temple. And what I've done for this mass combat is, right, you are in this battle and you have got to get from the back lines of the battle through all the enemies to the entrance to the temple where they're trying to get to. Right. So what I have done is I have gone, you are going to have to go through seven to eight medium to hard encounters. Fucking hell. To get to the temple. And that each combat is going to represent a different layer of the battle. But, oh, so the okay. first layer, they're going to be fighting cultists, just moogs. It's going to be relatively easy. Then as we go back to more powerful cultists, then we're going to get to some squishy-ish demons, more pow- sorry, devils, more powerful devils, then dragons, then older dragons. You're using devils? Oh, is there devils in... Yes. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. Well, so yeah, I guess. Rising yeah. from hell. 
so as you kind of go through the back, you're kind of coming into contact with more and more stuff. So it's kind of representing you pushing through the line. You're surrounded on all sides and all this kind of stuff's going on. So you, you're you simulating that idea with different battle lines, but you're not having to focus on a thousand combatants. Yeah. But the thing I wanted to add on was the fact that because you're in this mass combat, wild stuff can happen. And so I've created a variant on layer actions. I guess you could call it like battle actions, which is a, a random table, which I will roll on. And depending on how well they've done at collecting allies, this table is going to have half good layer actions and half bad layer actions. If it's a good layer action, let's say um, I roll on it and it's like the Order of the Gauntlet help out. A, a, a charge, a charge of paladins on the back of horses comes through to your aid and uh, deals a blanket like 3d6 to each enemy as their lances spear them as they charge past. So then, or if it's a bad thing, it's like a dragon swoops overhead and burns you. So the idea is that as you're fighting on your combat, other stuff's going on around you that can help or hinder you to kind of simulate the kind of chaos of battle. Does cool. that make sense? Yeah, that's really cool. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, I just really like that. I really like that. Yeah. Um, and it just, makes it more epic. It's yeah. Like, it's like almost like a, here's an epic encounter right now. You yeah, know exactly. I mean? And We're, it's not necessarily to do with you. It's just... The shit that's going on, like, as you're kind of... And also, because part of the game, the big part of the second half of the module is getting allies to help with the battle. And the more allies they get, the more likely they're going to have positive lair action, battle actions. So it will literally be like, um, again, if you are... If you've really screwed up, every battle action is going to be a bad one. So every uh, initiative count 20... A dragon's going to fly overhead and attack you. And then a, de- a devil, a stray devil's going to come through and stab one of your <laughs> pole arm and keep going. And just this absolute fury, whilst you're focusing on your own thing, other stuff's going on. Yeah. And I I quite like that. That as an idea of like the outcome of the battle, I might just roll with two D20 rolls yeah. to be like, who does best? And I might call that's who will win. And I will narrate the general feel of how the battle went afterwards. But for the players, it's like, how are you? What is your objective? How are you getting through? And how do you survive? Right. Uh, but yeah, that's how I kind of, it's going to be awful. It's going to yeah. be really brutal, but I hope, hopefully it will be fun. That sounds really epic. Thanks. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds epic. I've only done sort of like one big, big thing. And the way that I kind of did it was I essentially, I'm, I made like a siege check. And okay. You had to roll a d20, um, and your pl- you didn't have any pluses. It was just a flat d20. Mm. And the city starts with 30. Uh, it's got like, okay. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah its yeah, DC yeah. is 30. However, the more things you would do as players would make it lower. So if you destroyed a ballista, you would reduce it by one. Uh, if you destroyed yeah. a wall, it reduced it by five, and I had AC and hit points for each wall. That's fine. Um, if you defeated like a guardian, so the walls had like guardians in them, that would also reduce the wall by five. Mm. Uh, that would also reduce the score by five. However, there was no guarantee that you would still get into the city because you could still roll low on your d20. Yeah, so that yeah, combat yeah. could go on longer and longer and longer. And it became like a, almost like a tactical thing that they had to figure out because I didn't tell them this. I just said, the city has a DC of 30. You need to attack it and figure out how mm-hmm. to lower its DC. And I will roll every time you do to see whether That's or not the like, seat, you your army yeah. and yours, because they had an army as well. So it was, it was like a, they had an army and they were attacking a city. Yeah. And that city was just under siege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I reckon you could do it the other way around. It's like the same way. Yeah. If you can chip away at the army using 
you know, your army and also your actual player characters to yeah. do, right, there's a big bad, there's a big devil, let's fucking kill that immediately, reduce the yeah. army's DC by thingy. Or even, you could even by do five. it as like, you're, you're, let's say you've got, um, you, if you're on the opposite side, your city has got DC 40, mm. right? And your the army, oh. the army coming in has got a plus 10. And if you take out something, it becomes a plus nine. Yeah. But every round your DC is going down because of like the attrition that's, that's happening. That's really smart. So you're like, if we do nothing, there pl- it's going to be plus 10 and it's going to be DC 35 with a plus 10. Boom. DC 39, 29 with a boom. And keep going. So you need to, you need to make sure they can do nothing before your thing gets chipped away. To that's kind really, of like a that's a layer. nice addition. I should, um, I should write that down. Well. <laughs> oh, it's a good job we've recorded that's it. Why, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but having, again, having that idea that you've got a counter, something going down, they've got something going up and you need to stop theirs going up. That's really good. Maybe you can take actions to like fix a wall. Like, right, uh, get our mages to cast mending on this wall and then you can put your DC back up. So you've kind of got scales that can bounce on either side. That might end up being a very long fight. So maybe you give them a kind of it, attrition. It, it was. It, yeah. It, it was like a good two sessions. Yeah. But but I guess that's not actually that long when you think about no, it. No, but that's yeah. six hours of gameplay. Like, that's yeah. still that's yeah, yeah. a long... I've Again, you need to work to your group, right? One of them... One of them was like a player that was just joining in for one session or something, and he joined in the second session. So I just said that he appeared because he said I'm a pirate. They were all playing bad guys. Okay, he said I'm a pirate warlord, and I said okay. Um, out of the sky, this t- this big portal opens and a ship yeah. <laughs> falls out of it and crashes into one of the walls, and that reduced the city by five. <laughs> immediately <laughs> fucking hell it was fun so though wasn't it you know what I mean yeah it's incredible that was also a very Nile he was on it and he was like yeah that's, like, that's, that's such a fucking Nile d and like I, yeah. <laughs> it's a very classic of your game yeah that's incredible the kind of chaotic energy I like to bring oh, to the table incredible but yeah I th- yeah that's kind of like the biggest thing you'll ever come across and in fairness that's two homebrew ideas there aren't anything that's you know set in stone so what I'm trying to say is, is if you can come up with a better idea than either of those you know having uh, what did you call them um helping layer actions and and what did you say i called them battle actions battle actions yeah. but what did you call it? you said there was the good one and the oh bad one. I, I just said positive and negative oh so basically like yeah. i had it so it's a d100 table yeah, yeah. and then uh, there's 10 bad things but every ally they get there's then like yeah but you can have that you can have like your positive and negative like battle actions or you can have like a, a dc that you have to meet or something completely new mm. and and that kind of that kind of creativity is why i love DMing is because you get yeah. to like you get to just think of crazy things and that's why one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because I get to hear cool shit like that because I'm definitely adding that yeah, I love the idea good. of like layer actions for a siege that's mm. fucking awesome but also because it restricts because it's like you you know you've got an objective they can't run through it no. they've got to push through seven yeah, yeah. lines of enemies uh, I'm it's going to be one of those where I need to play it by ear because it's a, pl- a group that can are easily distracted so maybe I'm going to have to make, make oh so like you, if you get a devil to stab them they'll suddenly be like no we have to kill Devil. Oh, no, not more a case of kind of like they'll get bored if they're fighting oh. for too long. They're like, oh, can we? How long is this yeah, gonna yeah. freaking take? Um, so it'll be kind of like maybe if you've got a, a game, a group that likes combat, but the idea of minutiae balls, I'm just like maybe make it four hard things. So it's kind of like it, it'll be quicker, but it'll still have that level of intensity. I love it. I genuinely, I think that's fucking great. Again, I just think it adds another layer of of storytelling to the battle. I think that's the yeah. bigger thing as well. Is like you are a microcosm. Every player is a microcosm of a macrocosm, and it's your job as the DM to be that macrocosm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's an unfair job, but it's the job you've chosen. Oh, it's good fun though. 
Unless you're a player listening to this podcast and you fucking are. <laughs> I curse you. I curse you for your presence through this audio. This counts for you, player. Many Tarasks will come and kill you and your family. <laughs> anyway, I think that's... That's a good that's way to a end good, it, Yeah, and we'll have to do a part three yeah, and talk about the rest of the running the game. Yeah, awesome. Part, what did we say it was going to be? Uh, running the part game. Of the, part of the, fir- the reckoning. Run the, the game the this time it's personal. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, incredible. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. I've been Niall. I've been Morgan. And you've been you. (laughs) Incredible. Thanks for listening to the show, and if you enjoyed, please leave a review as it really helps. A big thank you to our editor Jack Sinclair and G McDermott for our cover art. If you'd like to check out any cool merchandise, head to littlelionslayer.co.uk where Julia, our resident smithy, has all our products up for sale. Until next time, brave DMs.